Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. How are you this fine fucking freezing cold Tuesday morning? I'm awesome. I guess it won't be Tuesday. It could be any day of the week when people are listening, but I'm sure it's still fucking cold. (laughs) Wherever the fuck you are, it's negative three here. Welcome, everybody, to episode 91. 91. 91. We're doing Charles Cullen. He's the good nurse. The good nurse. I don't know who named him the good nurse, but they were fucking backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I can't, every time I see the last name Cullen, I immediately go back to like my Twitard days. Me too. Where I think of nothing but Twilight. Mm-hmm. And all I think about is, wait, what's the doctor's name? Carlisle. Carlisle. We love Carlisle. Yes, we do. Hey, Carlisle. Peter, Peter Facinelli. We love you. I would let him do me in my butt. I would not. I don't love <laughs> you that much. <laughs> Ain't nothing goes in this ass. Sorry. So I get to apologize first for the missed episodes, late episodes. This was all on me this time. Um... I had a bad lupus flare up and couldn't use my arm. And then after that, I decided to fall down the stairs and tear up my fucking foot. And I'm in a boot now. Yeesh. Yeesh. That porch is fucking sketchy, though. It really is. It really is. I hit the one spot that had ice on it because it all had like salt on it. It, Like I was like, I'm cool. I've I've eaten shit off that porch when it's dry. Yeah. And I usually don't ever go off that porch either. I was clipping. So what happened was. So what happened was. I was putting the dog on the clip. And I was going to go get my girls. And I stepped. And I landed on top of my ankle. And I was like fuck. And I just sat there and started crying. Because I was so fucking mad. It wasn't because I was sad or because it hurt. I was just fucking mad because I had just gotten over my flare up on my lupus and it was the first day I was able to like function and then I fell down the fucking stairs and I text my mom. I'm like, I fell down the fucking stairs and I can't walk. And she's like, oh gosh, I'll be right there. I'm like, no, no, I'm still coming to you. And I still, I like hobbled to my car and drove over there like a dipshit. <laughs> and it was my right foot too. So I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God, the whole way there. And then she took me to urgent care. I didn't want to go. I should have stayed home. I should have stayed home. I should have stayed home. Well, is what it is now. Yeah, nothing's broke. I just tore all the things that are in there. Well, me and my brother have both come off that porch one right after the other. (laughs) And I slipped and almost ate shit. And he started giggling because he thought it was funny. And then he did the exact same thing. So, yeah, that's what he's like. It almost took Angel and I out before. I was like, oh, I know. Yeah. So there's that. Mm -hmm. There is that. There is that. So, if you guys want to check us out on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Color Me Dead Podcast. You can follow me at Color Me Dead Angel and Nikki at Gory underscore Nikki. You can find us on Twitter at Color Me Dead Pod or Facebook at Color Me Dead Podcast. And we also have the Color Me Dead Podcast group with all the fuckeries. Most foul. Most fail. Most fail. Um, if you could go check us out on ageofradio.org slash color me dead, you can listen to our show, you can shop our sponsors, you can just like support us all the way around from fucking there if you wanna. If you wanna. And we wanted to say a great big thank you to our $50 Patreon subscribers. These are our examinators. Examinators. <laughs> Rhett Harris, Samantha Vaughn, and Sharon Hoffman. Thank you. 
our Patreon subscribers are badass lately. Like, yes, they it's are. going through the roof, and I'm fucking loving it. Yes, thank you guys so much, because it really means a lot for you guys to help us out like that. Right, and we have perks going out soon, how to order more shirts and some more other shit, and it's still not here. So there's, they're going out soon. But just just know that perks will be going out. It does take time for us to get them, and then it does take time to go out. Yeesh. 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 If you want some of our shit... Not our, our literal shit. <laughs> we don't go that far. Like, there is no subscriber for that. I mean, th- th- name your price. I'll send you my <laughs> shit. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but if you would like a shirt or something that says our name, like my badass blanket that I take everywhere, you can go to colormedeadpod.threadless.com. You guys can also check out the Facebook page for Purple Lotus. Hey, also... A huge shout out to Emily Duvall for being a research assistant. She did the outline. I called her now. Well, I texted her because I don't call people. I was like, hey, help me out. Do an outline for me of all the shits about this fucker. And she did. And she had it to me like real fucking fast. That was awesome. The book used for the part of the research that Nick did was The Good Nurse by Charles Grieber. That's what we got on our outing when we went shopping. Yeah. (laughs) When we spent $75 on books. That's all we spent, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. That day. That was after we put back half the shit that we had. Anyway, uh, big thanks to my PA from my neck surgery for telling me about this book. So what had happened was I went to my appointment for my neck for my initial consultation last year. And he was like, what do you do? I see that you put on here that you're a podcaster because you have to put your occupation so they know, like, you know, if you're using right. your hands and shit. And he's like, what do you podcast about? I was like, true crime. He's like, I love true crime. I listen to true crime books all the time. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, he's a very, very Mormon LDS, don't swear, don't say bad words, We, you know, type person. And so I was like, I just, like, you can listen to it, but I just want to let you know that we swear a lot. It's probably not your cup of tea. Right. And he's like, well, I'll give it a try. And I was like, all right. So... The next time I saw him, which was after my surgery, because I didn't see him during my surgery, which he did like a lot of it, but I didn't actually see him while I was awake. So at my follow-up appointment, he was like, he sits down with me and he's like, oh, that looks really good. Just so you know, I closed it for you. I I sewed it up. I was like, well, you did a good job. And then he's like, so I decided to download your podcast. (laughs) I checked it out. It's not for me. (laughs) Surprise. I laughed so hard. I was crying. I was like, you really listened to it? He's like, well, I really like true crime. I wanted to check it out. And I'm like, "Mm, okay. (laughs) That's how I get when like my coworkers are like, oh, you podcast? I'm like, don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. And so he, um, he's like, well, I have some, he's like, what are you working on right now? And at the time we were working on the Ken and Barbie killer. So I told him about them. He's like, I've never heard of them. I was like, here, take this book, go read this book. You know, I was telling him which ones. And then he was like, you know, which one you should do is the good nurse. And he told me all about it. And I was like, okay, cool. So I kind of like, I wrote it in my list and I forgot about it. And then I saw it when we were at Barnes and Noble the other day. And I was like, yes, yes, please. Jackpot. So big thanks to my PA. And I don't know what his name is. He doesn't listen anyway, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) It's not for him. Yeah. So let's get started on this, some bitch. 
Mm-hmm. Damn bitch. Shouldn't the hospital be a place where you can go to be safe? One would think. You would think so. Um, in a building full of trained medical professionals that you would trust to take care of you, you would think that you would be okay. I grew up with a doctor and a registered nurse, so I felt pretty safe. However, Charles Cullen is going to fuck with your brain and make you not ever want to go to the hospital again. Never, never. I don't want to go anyway. Like, fuck it. I don't, I don't like it. going to the hospital. <laughs> no, I don't like going to the doctor. I don't like going to the hospital. I don't nope. like any of it. No. But before we tell you all the fucked up things this mofo did, we're going to go into all of the way back details. Okay, so take me back. Tell me what this motherfucker did. They, I had a hard time finding anything about his childhood, like his growing ups. That happens, though. There's not though. a lot, even well, in, in the, the book. The bad thing about some of the smaller cases is they don't dig into the childhood as well as they should. And so then we're just kind of left with the crime. And right. that's what you get. Well, and this is not even a small case. So it was weird that I had a hard time finding it because he killed. He's like possibly one of the biggest serial killers ever. It's like 400 people is what they think he killed. So you think that you could find. No, but he he's can't. not. But but really, he's not. He's not. He's yes, not considered he a heavy close. hitter. Mm-mm. Yeah, which is fucking crazy because he's <laughs> like one of the biggest ones. But there's like little Easter eggs throughout the book. That I keep finding, and I'm not all the way through it, so I might find more and be like, so, by the way, what I, what, what I have found. So, also. Is, is. Yeah. So, if, if I get more later, I'll let you know. What I do know is that Charlie Edmund Cullen was born on February 22nd, 1960, in West Orange, New Jersey. He was the youngest of eight children, and they were a very Catholic family. His father's fathers. He only had one. More than more than one. <laughs> fathers. Just, just one. Like a cat. Yes. <laughs> but I cannot find this man's name anywhere. I can't find it in the book. I couldn't find it online. I could not find it anywhere. But he died at the age of fifty-eight when Charlie was just seven months old, and he was a bus driver. That's what I do know about him. <laughs> the nameless bus driver. The na- his nameless bus driver that died in nineteen sixty. <laughs> <laughs> Is why that? is that why am i laughing I, <laughs> you're over here i'm like in a box with no fox <laughs> and no bus driver. <laughs> fuck well his mom was left to raise eight kids by herself there were five girls and three boys and they pretty much lived off of church donations it's a fuckload of kids to be handling by yourself mm. when he was nine years old he said that his childhood was miserable and he tried to commit suicide by drinking chemicals from his chemistry set at nine nine what kind of thoughts like how do you know that when you're nine i mean he's got a lot of older siblings but do you think they were like drink that and see what happens no but i think that if a person is so lost lonely and forgotten you'd be surprised what kind of thoughts go through a human's brain even at nine years old well and i can imagine how lost lonely and forgotten you are at nine or not at nine but at eighth the eighth child Mm -hmm. of a single mom right it's like wait which one are you again yeah sound off along here yeah you, you line them up by fucking height and you're <laughs> yeah. like sound off and like they don't even have names it's just one through eight yeah yeah and they do the step forward eight and back <laughs> <laughs> like on sound of music yeah. <laughs> <Dink>. <laughs> so, one one two <laughs> three <clears throat> excuse me In 1971, when he was 11, he was being teased in school and ended up writing a book with one of his friends called The Infinity Years We Will Never Know. It was about growing up in a world where life was meaningless. 11. 11. And I couldn't find, obviously, but I I gave it a shot to try to find the book. I would read it. You can't. I wanted to read it, but there's, it's not there. It's pretty fucking, that, that's pretty, 
serious material. Right. The infinity years. That's the age of my child, and I can't imagine him coming up with even a title that is called that, let right? alone content that means something inside it. About meaningless years? Mm-hmm. So in 1986, he came pretty obsessed with the works of Dostoevsky. Yeah, this is Russian. You should know the Russian. Hey, I, I, da, at the Madom. <laughs> yes, this is my house. See? Like, I can say certain phrases and shit. I'm still trying to read Krillic, dude. Their alphabet is fucked up, and their mouths make noises that Americans don't. I know. Like, I we were not, teach me. We were not raised to say these fucking words. So what had happened was that their mouths were built like this. <laughs> They have hacking, gagging, and spitting words that I can't do yet. So, like, I'm still learning the acrylic alphabet of Russian. But, yeah, I can, like, I recognize words, and I know, like, phrases and shit. But, like... Not this man. It's, it's yeah, that Not was... Not this name. I had to, like... Dostoyevsky. Dostoyevsky. Got it. A Got Russian it. author from the 1800s. His favorite book was called Crime and Punishment. Strangely enough, it was about a man who commits murder. Murder. December 6, 1977, his mother was killed in an auto accident. This was just a few months before he turned 18. He was still being bullied in school and decided that it was time to do something about it. To try and get some payback on the people that were bullying him and other innocent people, he went to a party and laced their drinks with poison. However, apparently, it wasn't enough and nobody died. He wasn't J- George, Jim, Jesus. <laughs> I was trying to beatbox, I can't. Fuck, it was a pretty good start to a remix. <laughs> remix? Remix. This is... Huh? I was, I, I was going to start singing R. Kelly. Oh, shit. Well, I was going to say that he was no Jim Jones, but I totally <laughs> fucked up my whole You're entire... Like, he was no Jim Jones. Jim Jones. Start fucking mixing it on your... You're a what? All right. In April 1978, he decided to drop out of school and enlist in the United States Navy. He trained from April of 78 to June of 79 to become a ballistics missiles technician. That actually sounds fun. That sounds like a great job for him, though. Oh, my God. Sounds like a great job for a lot of people. His first mission was in July of 1979 and was aboard the nuclear submarine called the USS Woodrow Wilson. He soon got the rank of petty officer third class and was part of a team that operated the ship's Poseidon missiles. Super cool. Right. Super cool. I know. He, strangely enough, was a misfit. He was taunted, hazed, and ridiculed. They nicknamed him Fishbelly. I want to know why, but I couldn't find it. Why Fishbelly? What do you do? Is he just really white? Does he flop around like a fish? Because he's probably soft and squishy. Oh, yeah. You soft little fish belly. Yeah, that would probably be my nickname, too. (laughs) He liked to assist the ship's doctor with vaccinations and once served served a shift dressed in surgical clothing and latex gloves that he had stolen from the medical cabinet. He actually discovered in this, he was actually discovered in this little getup in the mission control panel and was reported. I also like to play dress up, only not for those purposes. Um, I just wish that it would have been in a dress or something to make it more interesting. He's only in surgical Like Clinger from MASH? Yeah. Where he's like... <laughs> and that's what I... Like, when I was reading it, that's what I first pictured. And I'm like, no, get your shit together. He's just in surgical clothes. Like, yeah. he's got gloves and a gown. Like it's He doesn't not look like deal. he's going to play Pinochle with the fucking bridge club and shit. <laughs> he's not wearing his finest mink stole. 
<laughs> he's in fucking surgical gear. Oh, Klinger. Klinger was my favorite. I dude. love him. Section 8. Mm-hmm. In October of 1981, he was reassigned to the USS Canopus. Do you know how long it took me to understand what Klinger was doing? Yeah, they, had to, they had to keep explaining it to me. I'm like, I don't get it. Well, we were very young. Yeah. But like when my, my grandpa finally, he's like, he's trying, he's pretending that he's crazy so he can go home. Yeah. When they, they said that, I was like, oh, because oh. <laughs> I was always like, why does Klinger like dresses? <laughs> yeah. And my grandpa's like, no man wants to wear pantyhose, honey. And I was like, looking no. back on it, Pop, you were wrong. But <laughs> uh, I have a correction. I do know someone who I absolutely enjoys pantyhose. pantyhose. And he spent some time in prison. <laughs> so <laughs> getting his ass bleached. Having a pop in each other's asshole. So, Grandpa, there are men that do like pantyhose. He's probably rolling over in his grave on probably. that one. But, but Klinger probably did not. But he was like, honey, he's, he's pretending to be crazy. He wants to go home. Did you ask why he couldn't go home? Like, I was like, well, then why doesn't he just go home? Because uh-huh. that's what I kept saying. I'm like, I don't get it. Why can't he just go home? Yeah, Let we had to have a, a very thorough conversation mm-hmm. about how war works, how the draft worked. Yeah, we did too. But I was older. Like, I kept asking. I was like, what the shit? I, I was probably I was like eight. Nine. Yeah, eight or nine. Yeah. I remember it. I remember it well. <laughs> While in the Navy, Charlie became good at drinking. He became an alcoholic, like, drink Listerine in a pinch type alcoholic. Like, he was full-blown in alcoholism when he was in the Navy. Which ended up landing him in psych more than once. And that is where he was introduced to AA. So... <laughs> They didn't go into that a lot into his AA, but I know they, he went, but he didn't, I don't know. I don't know. He eventually quit drinking, but we'll get into that in a little bit. However, on March 30th of 1984, he was medically discharged from the Navy due to numerous suicide attempts. So from what I gathered, he would get drunk and try to commit suicide. I don't know. They were so vague. It was like vague booking. Like, come on, just fucking tell me. But maybe they don't know. But in May, at the age of 24, he enrolled in the Mountainside Hospital School of Nursing in Montclair, New Jersey. He was the only male student in a class of 87 people. He was super smart and did very well. Two weeks into the first semester, the class president dropped out, so one of his classmates told him to run in her place. The more he was like, no, 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 I don't think I should. The more his little friend was like, yes, do it. I'll do everything for you. You just do it. You'll you'll win. You'll be great. He ended up winning, which made him happy because he went from being a bullied kid in high school and in the Navy to being class president. So the positive attention was definitely new to him and different, and he really liked it. Charlie paid for school with different jobs. At one point, he was working for Dunkin' Donuts. He had an amazing uniform, which was an orange and brown shirt and a visor. And his jo- like his other job had the exact same uniform. So I really hope that he picked the right one on the right day, because that would be so fucking embarrassing. <laughs> I guess they were like right next to each other, too. So Dunkin' Donuts was here, had this one outfit, and then the other place was right next door and had another one, and I would get so confused. As much as he hated the uniform he wore at Dunkin' Donuts, it looked damn good on his manager named Adrian. Mm. Yo, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> Adrian Baum, which fun fact isn't her real name. They changed names for this book at her request. Um, 
<clears throat> she had just graduated with a business degree and was working on paying off her student loans. Everything about their relationship from, is from interviews, though. However, she was never interviewed. So this is all from, like, outside information people. Third party. Mm-hmm. And, and from him. So it could be way off. Like, this could just be his perception of it. I don't know. She had a boyfriend, though, at the time, and she was scheduled to be transferred to another store. And she ended up getting transferred back to that store a month later and didn't have a boyfriend anymore. Clappy, clap, clap, clap. Well, Charlie decided that he was going to try and schmoo her. And that was gonna, that that was his new goal. He started showering her with gifts and doing and saying all the right things. Now she was surprised that a kid that she thought was shy was actually such a confident man. She actually told her, like she told Charlie to leave her alone. She told her, told him, stop giving me gifts, stop asking me out, and all this shit. Like, back the fuck up. Whale. Be be back the fuck up. Not the truck. The fuck. <laughs> Not the truck. The fuck. the fuck back. Um, so, however, eventually he wore her down and they actually started dating. Six mm-hmm. months after their first date, they got engaged. That's always a good plan. Yes. Um, by the by, if you guys don't know what the four seasons rule is about being in a relationship, look that fucker up. <laughs> like, saying. it works for some people, but it... Fuck, I did six seasons and it still didn't work out. I give up. I have no... I have no... What is drugs? What is drugs? <laughs> What is seasons? Yeah, I don't know. So they get engaged. They got married a week after Charlie graduated nursing school. They actually went to Niagara Falls for their honeymoon, but they returned a day early so that Charlie could start his new job at St. Barnabas Medical Center in the burn unit. Uh. Yucky. All of this seemed like a little fairy tale to Adrian. Now, it was June of 1987. The burn unit, by the by, is a horrible fucking place. And here to tell you about it is fucking Nikki. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> she has a sizable third degree burn in her armpit. Um, I've had second and third degree burn. Mine is not nearly as heinous as Nick's. But I know what they do to you in the burn unit. And I know that it's all for like the greater good and shit. Oh, God. <laughs> but it is fucking horrifying it's horrifying all you have to say is debridement to me and i'll start dry heaving mm. those little sponges mm-hmm. if i see one i will throw up and i don't throw up easy and i'll i like to sit in a ball and cry i can't see the medical scrubby sponges nope as soon as somebody says the word debride like my gut turns i'm like no nope. so i'm not gonna lie while i was reading through this i skipped a bunch of shit about the burn unit because they were talking about how the burn unit works to like get into this is how depressing of an area it is, basically. And I'm like, I fucking know. Yeah, we, we know. <laughs> I spent two or three weeks in-house <laughs> at the burn unit when I was nine. And I was there, like, I was there all the time for a few years. So I spent plenty of time. And it was 1990. How weird. If I was a New Jersey, I could have been... Treated by that person. Mm-hmm. Yay. And when my stepdad had his heart surgery, I think I've already said this a little bit, and he had his heart surgery and then a stroke in March, and the neuro ICU was right by the burn unit, and I walked past it, and the smell, like, I was like, it almost brought me, like, I almost fell, because I was like, (laughs) I can't even, and that was fucking 30 years ago, 20, 29, if we're going to be exact. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to sneak that extra one in there. But my, it wasn't just me. It was my mom, my stepdad, and my brother. Like all of us, when we walked past it, we all got sick. And 
it's just like that. It's just a fucking depressing place to be. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Charlie really struggled with in the burn unit is that they're not allowed to give children anything more than Tylenol for pain. Nope. Tylenol. 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 This upset. Sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Just going to exaggerate. After they scrape your fucking skin off. Mm -hmm. Enjoy this Tylenol. Yeah, my whole butt. I don't think they gave me anything more than Tylenol. They scraped off. If you've seen Red Sparrow, Mm -hmm. they used that thing for a torture device. Mm -hmm. That's what they did to my whole butt. Two swipes on my butt, slapped it in my armpit, and you can have Tylenol. Tylenol. Yeah. So... This upset Charlie because he thought of the times in the military when he was in pain and you only got fucking aspirin. Right. That's what you get. You get fucking aspirin. Like when Clint had his wisdom teeth out and they gave him Advil and told him to walk home. At least that's what he says. I don't know. I don't put it past him. I had three teeth yanked out of my fucking face when I was in treatment. (laughs) And, And... they broke my jaw, yeah. which it's neither here nor there. Like I'm fucking tough. Like I, I, people know this about me. I'm fucking tough. I don't like mouth pain. To me, it's more of an annoyance than anything. I don't like it. I'm headed to the dentist, the crentist, the crentist. <laughs> I'm headed to the crentist today to have more teeth pulled too. I hope I'm going to end up like Gollum. We has nine. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you should have 26. I have fucking nine. (laughs) I have like a... I got some missing too. We have nine. We has nine. Um, Anyway, when I was in treatment, they actually had to pull three of my teeth on the upper right-hand side, and they broke my jaw on accident while they were doing it. Now, I'm not a big pain pill person. I never have been because I get really ill to my tummy. I get really itchy. I get really stupid. And then I get sleepy and I don't like it. Well, when the doctor was like, let me give you some painkillers. I was like, you can't give them to me anyway. And he's like, what? And I was like, I'm in treatment right now. They won't they won't give me painkillers. He's like, bull. He was like, bullshit. You know, I'm not going to send a patient out of here with three gaping molar holes. And I was like, dude, I don't want them. I was like, truth be told, I'm fine with ibuprofen and some Tylenol. Like, I will be fine. All I took for my teeth and a broken fucking jaw. Three missing teeth and a broken jaw. Ibuprofen and Tylenol. Fuck you. Yeah. So anyway, back when he was being bullied by his older sister's boyfriends and the kids at school, his sister had a live-in boyfriend that like beat the shit out of her and Charlie. He was never given anything for the pain. No, because I think that he didn't get to go in, so they were just like, take, take a Tylenol. Take a, take a fucking Tylenol and shut the fuck up. Right. So he did like his job, though. He liked the part where he was there and he was caring for people who depended on him, and he liked having that power over people. Weird. Which I think is, you know what fucks with me? I think this is why some people go into their nursing industry, mm-hmm. and I think this is why some women have children. I do, too, so they can have the power that they've never had before. Because then they're, like, in they're control. the boss. They're in control. Yep. The book even mentioned how much he had a personal connection with the apostle that was in the hospital, or no, that the hospital was named after, which was St. Barnabas, who was stoned to death. However, before he married Adrian, he formally renounced the Catholic religion and converted to Judaism. I usually can't say that name, so I'd, I'd need a moment clap clappy clap clap (laughs) just kidding um he felt like he was living the life of a saint in reverse though all right charlie 
You're a saint. We're going to move to October of 1987. Charlie and Adrian bought a small one-story house in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Adrian was now a computer programmer in an office, so they had a decent combined income, like a nurse and a computer programmer, even though they had probably plenty of student loan debt. They had enough money to buy a house. Yeah, but back then, fucking student loans were actually affordable. (laughs) Right? This says that it was a one-story house, but it was a two-story house. I fucking... Missed it up. Two stories. Um, he was working long night shifts and she was working long day shifts, so they didn't get to see each other very much. When Charlie and Adrian had started dating, he poured on the charm so hard that she thought that this is what she was getting. Guess fucking what? It wasn't. It's because you were engaged for six months. <laughs> God damn it. Four seasons. <laughs> Four seasons. I'm going to go with eight to 12 seasons <laughs> well and i i shouldn't talk shit spencer and i started dating in february of 2012 yes i was living with him by april yes but we lived together for three years before we even got engaged you got to see the good the bad and the fucking ugly you knew you fucking knew <laughs> oh i knew i knew but yeah we we moved in together really really quickly like our our relationship advanced pretty quickly but we were together for three years before we got engaged and then we got married that same year we've been together for seven years this seven, this month seven years seven years <laughs> i know Yay. and we still like each other that's Yay. nice <laughs> i like listening to you guys fight it makes me giggle so much and he's like god damn it i will kick your fucking ass and then he starts laughing that gut laugh and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna die Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was a really big (laughs) (laughs) that's my favorite spencer laugh when he gets to that i'm like oh my god life goals we need a spencer laugh find someone that has a spencer laugh (laughs) i like it when it starts out as the (laughs) the beavis and butthead yeah like the the tortilla this tortilla is really smooth oh my god that's what got me like what you said was funny and then his fucking laugh i was like i'm done i'm never gonna stop laughing ever yeah when i was just i i was a little i was a little tuned in yes on multiple things at a at a festival and i i need yeah dude and i needed a snack and got a tortilla and apparently it was smooth this tortilla tortilla is so soft (laughs) it's so smooth and soft anyway adult giggles i know once my husband starts laughing if you don't laugh with him Uh you're soulless yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so adrian though got baffled got fooled what is the word i'm looking for bamboozled that one by him because <laughs> that one that one <laughs> we'll go with that yes she thought she was getting something that she wasn't getting oh it's like playing bean boozled alas you're wax <laughs> you're wax <laughs> the real charlie though was now starting to show by now the alcoholism that he thought he had kicked when he was younger in the navy in aa which they never said if he quit but i guess he did i don't know but this alcoholism was now presenting itself again but adrian didn't know because of their different schedules so he's working nights she's working days she doesn't see shit well it's really easy to keep that secret when nobody's around right and she had never actually seen him drink she didn't think he drank at all Mm -hmm. um he always told her that he couldn't drink but she never knew why i guess she just figured he wasn't a drinker or i don't know but she didn't investigate far enough to find out he would hide in the basement of their house and drink in the dark broil- boiler room. 
the boiler room. This is where he hid his booze from her, and he had to drink it, too. He had a little footlocker down there that he would keep all his you're booze not, in. You're not a very crafty alcoholic if you only go to one room, because right? that's fucking, that's obvious. Real alcoholics hide it in every fucking room in the house, and will hide it in plain fucking sight. Right. That's the funnest thing. When people realize that there's been booze staring them in the fucking face the whole time, and they're like, oh my god, that's alcohol. You're like, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. I've found some before that i was like fucking really <laughs> fucking really fucking really i've been cleaning and just finding bottles and shit and I'm like, i used Fuck. to take it out of the fucking bottle and put it in things that, that people were, were like oh shit yeah dude like i used to have a set of like spice jars that like some of it really did have like hot sauce like i actually had this one shit that was clear that i would add to chili and it was hot sauce i had a whole fucking rack of booze sitting right on my spice shelf that nobody, I I actually had to like wrap myself out for that one because I was like, oh yeah, there's going to be shit hidden all over. So before I come home, here's the places you need to look. And I'm sure that there was stuff in places I fucking forgot because I wasn't very good at remembering. <laughs> well, I used to hide in the opposite way. So said person didn't drink it. I would hide it in the flasks all through the, the house. Yeah. Because I didn't think that they would look there, which they didn't. But, yeah, I had mine for a totally different reason. <laughs> no, no, I had mine. I, I, I had mine, so I only, like, it was in every room. Like, I could be taking shots right in front of you, and you'd never know. Mm. Except you started catching on, Crafty Hope. I did. That, I caught on quite some time before I let on. But what was I going to do? I don't know what to do. <laughs> what, what, what were you going to do? I don't know. You can't tell me shit. <laughs> you can't tell me shit. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. <laughs> I like, know. What, it was what like, the fuck were you going to do about right, it? I'd be like, so you just took a shot, right? Do you want to talk about this? I'd be like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Fuck you. I was about? not drinking eyedroppers. I, no, I really just drink Visine. Okay. Oh, that was. Oh, yeah, I did. We did that at, our, at the aquarium. <laughs> the glasses cleaner yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, there was vodka in there. Yeah. Yuck. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> uh, you know you're a badass when you're taking warm shots of vodka out of an eyeglass cleaner case. <laughs> <laughs> we really did take warm shots of, what was it, at Loudwire on purpose? Because he's like, this is warm. We have to get rid of it. Do you want it? Oh, my like, God. Yes, it was we vodka. do. And then we were like, whoo, that was a bad decision. Well, it's 105 it fucking degrees out here. <laughs> it wasn't a one-ounce shot either. Mm, that was like mm. 2.5 ounces, big fucking pirate shots sitting out. And, we and he's like, two. we're going to have to dump this because it's. he's like, it's not cold. And people don't want watered down. It doesn't, like... I'm an alcoholic. I'll fucking drink whatever. I don't care. I'm not. But if it's free, I'm like, fucking yeah. Yeah. And he's like, here, do you guys want this? And I was like, fuck yeah. Dude, it took two swallows to get it all down. Like, if you can get it all in one swallow, like, just open your throat and let it fall, then you're fine. But you swallow and taste it and take that second gulp and your throat shuts. Like, no, bitch. No. I'm getting the it's 100. Yeah, dude, it's 105 degrees out there and you just drank fucking room temperature. It wasn't even room temperature. It was probably mm-hmm. 97 degrees. It was At hot. least. It was out of a hot tub. Like, if you were to drink <laughs> a hot tub of vodka, that would be it. It was pretty ruthless, dude. Uh, I know. Now, I'm thinking about it now. I actually watched an episode of Intervention with my brother recently, okay? And the it made me fucking sad to watch it because the episode was literally like watching myself and it made me fucking sad. But um, this woman would hide vodka everywhere and she had it in all the same fucking places that I had it. Mm-hmm. So it made it all that much 
like all that much more like fucking surreal to me. But I watched her pull a fucking pint of warm vodka out of her sock drawer, just like I used to mm-hmm. do, and fucking take like five big rips off of it and put the lid back on it and put it away. She's like, I'm good now. And I like, like I sat there and like had the pre-puke slobbers and everything. And I was like, I used to do that several times an hour. Mm-hmm. God damn. I know. Yep. Anyway. Yep. No. Anyway. I don't like it. Take it. I don't like it. Take it back. I'll take it back. Where's your receipt? <laughs> you need to take this back. Take it back. I don't want it anymore. Um, yeah. So he, w- he wasn't advanced enough to hide it everywhere, but he didn't have to because he was home alone most of the time. If he was home, he was alone. <clears throat> But their first year of marriage went by fast. He was working, and he'd also started another nursing program at King College, which I would imagine is his RN. Um, he was basically never home. However, he was long, home long enough to get Adrian pregnant in February of 1988. During this time, he was becoming very distant. That fall, she gave birth to their first daughter, Shauna, which I don't think that's her real name either because they changed everything. Um, He had become even more distant with that baby. It was like he had to choose between his wife and his daughter, and he chose neither. (laughs) It was like, I feel like I have to choose. Uh, Fuck you both. I don't like it. No. He did the same thing with their dog. He really loved this dog at first. Like, it was a shiny new toy. And then he was like, nah, fuck your, fuck your dog. But Adrian absolutely adored their dog. Dude, I, I don't know how people do that. One Tuesday morning, Adrian went to work and left Charlie at home with their little puppy and the baby. However, when she got home from work that day, the puppy was gone. Charlie didn't care and wouldn't help her look for it. The puppy was a lot like Paloma and would take off at any given chance. My well, fucking Paloma, Paloma and Rogue. Right? Oh, yeah. Give we have Rogue, the naughties. Give Rogue 30 seconds. That little son of a bitch will disappear. <laughs> anyway, they like to take off and go visit neighbors. And often those neighbors would, you know, hey, man, I got your dog. Yeah. But just like mine. Just like mine. By the way, we put your dog back on her. I know. Leash. People will actually, like, the lady from the KOA calls me all the time. She's like, your fluffing stuff is over here. Oh. I'm like, fucking little God bitch. damn it. I know. Charlie told her that the puppy ran away while he went for a walk while the baby was sleeping. Yes. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. You heard that right. While the baby was sleeping, he decided to take a walk. Without the dog. Left the front door wide open while the baby was inside asleep and the puppy got away. He told her that he knew the baby wouldn't wake up. Well, apparently, Charlie liked to give the baby a little liquid babysitter. Mm, I'm not above that sometimes. When a little sick. Benadryl colada. I'm like, you have a runny nose? Oh, God. We better have some Benadryl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever give it to him just to be like, you should sleep. Right? Now, they fought about this before, and I guess he liked to keep his peace and quiet in, in order, so little little nip off the bottle for the babins was no big deal. Um, uh, a sip for me, a sip for you. Sip. <laughs> it's probably right? true. Right? He told her, okay, so after a while, they kind of just dropped the argument, and they went to the basement, and we all know what was down there. Mm. She didn't go down there after him. He wouldn't let her. The one or two times that she did, she saw a horrible look in his eyes, like a shark. Black eyes detached with zero feelings. They said that, like, his eyes, like, one went one way and one went the other. Like, we're making it all dramatic. But I'm like, I don't know how anybody knew that because she didn't actually interview. So, I don't know if that's true or not. I didn't know. That afternoon, though, the detachment in his eyes may have come together for Adrian. Their neighbor came to the door to say that she had found their dog, Queenie's body, 
in the alley next to the house. The vet had said that the dog had been poisoned. Now, gee, I wonder who's responsible for the act. I don't know. I, I just don't know. Who did the act? Who did the act? <laughs> did you do the act? Did you do that? Who did, did I do that? that? <laughs> <laughs> so Adrian was crushed. She's fucking sobbing because she loved this dog so much. And I can't, dude, you know me. Like, I couldn't even imagine finding my dog's body poisoned. Mm-hmm. It was bad enough finding my dog after he'd been hit in the road. Right. You should have seen that fucking come apart. I, that was some Twin Peaks, me standing in my jammies, literally stomping my feet, no. having a fucking bawling little kid meltdown in the middle of the street over my dog. Right. And then to find out that your dog got poisoned. Right. Like, who the Somebody fuck Somebody did fucking poison my dog's member. Yeah. Slim. And fat mm-hmm. guy both got poisoned when i lived in houston because people are fucking buttholes adrian went inside after finding this out and she found a photo mat thing from their daughter's daycare it was pictures of her and some of the other kids strangely enough creepy charlie had cut all the boys out like a perfect outline and at first she thought this was strange but now it scared her and she was starting to cry right so now her dog is poisoned and there's these creepy cutouts like uh what, uh, what did i do what, what the hell's going on the fuck is going on and this alcoholic detachment downstairs rage face mm-hmm. Ooh. So we're going to jump to February 11th of 1991. Pam Allen, who was a pharmacy nurse, brought a a suspicious IV bag to the hospital's risk manager. The port on the bag had been looked looked at and it looked used. Hmm. Mm -hmm. But the bag was over full. Hmm. Like overkill. Over full. Mm -hmm. They had the bag tested and it was supposed to contain saline and heparin. Now, if you guys don't know what heparin is... Um, it's actually something to keep your blood from clotting. Mm-hmm. And it also contained insulin. Do you remember heparin shots? When you had to get heparin shots for your surgery? You didn't get them? Mm-mm. Fuck you. Those things feel like yellow jacket stings. Yeah, I remember you had to get one and I didn't. I had to right? get two of them. Or did I? If I did, I don't remember. I don't you, think no, I did. It, no, if you did, you'd remember because they hurt like a dirty motherfucker. I don't think I did. They are to keep your blood from... Like, because you know, after surgery and shit, mm-hmm. they don't want you to get blood clots and whatever. So, heparin is a blood thinner that will actually help alleviate that. But when they give you the shot, they give it to you in the fatty part of your arm, and it feels like a goddamn wasp. Yeah, sting. I don't think I got one. No, you would know because it fucking hurts. I, you would know. I like to block out shit though, the like bad <clears throat> shit. I block it out, and then because like the shit story that we told last time, you were like, "No, you did get the shits." Remember Comic Con? I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> fucking yes, I yes, do. Yes, I did." <laughs> So three days later, which was Valentine's Day, a critical care patient named Anna Byers was also. She had the IV drip full of heparin. Yeah, she had the IV drip. However, within a half an hour, she had cold sweats. She was confused. She was nauseous and weak. They ran blood tests that showed that her insulin was off the charts. They gave her orange juice to try to counteract it, but it didn't work. She crashed the rest of the day and into the next day. Like, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. She was supposed to have surgery, so they removed the heparin drip, and she all of a sudden started getting better. Oh, surprise. Hmm. Surprise. Yeah, after her surgery, her wounds started to clot, so they put her back on the IV, and she started to crash again. Her body was burning up all of the sugar that it had inside of it because of all of the insulin in there. She was getting ready to code, and they took her off the IV, and she stabilized. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Down the hall, the same thing was happening to Fred Belf. He was on the same up-and-down ride, and the nurses finally caught on that it was the problem with the IV bags. 
So they took the IV bags in for testing where they found small needle marks in them. They were most likely where the insulin was inserted. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> they realized that they realized that coding like this had become a normal thing over the last few months. Like it was, they would have to leave one to go to the other one. They yeah, they're running from patient over, to patient. Yeah. Upon further investigation, they realized these patients were going hypoglycemic. Out of nowhere, everybody's hypoglycemic. Like, fucking feed your patients, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they need some blood sugar, feed them. The chart showed no orders of insulin from the doctors and no notes from the nurses about low blood sugar. The findings were given to Joe Barry. He was a decorated 30-year police veteran with the New Jersey State Police. He was now the senior vice president in charge of security at St. Barnabas. He was the one that was going to be looking into all of this shit. Mm -hmm. Many of the staff members were nervous about said investigation. All of them except Charles Cullen. And it wasn't like an, I'm so innocent, see how I act? Like, I know it wasn't me. It was like... I have no fucks to give. Catch me. I don't fucking care. The savage ass bitch. When they finally caught up with him to question him, because he was like dodging them, he would never answer any of the questions. He sat with his arms folded, which was clearly a red flag to this ex-cop. You mean somebody running away from all of your questions and evading your presence? And then being like, mm, no. I don't like it. I plead the fifth. You don't have to make me answer. I, I ain't saying shit. Nope. Now, they told him that they knew he was putting something in the bags, and Charlie would reply by saying, you can't prove anything. It's like a five-year-old. All right. You can't prove anything. You didn't see me do it. Mm-mm. They finally realized that they needed to bring the police in on this, and they presented all of this evidence to the poli- police chief, Don Jones. Don Jones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh. However, Chief Jones didn't want to touch it. He told them that he didn't think he could do anything with what they had found. The security team at the hospital installed security cameras and the sign and a new drug sign out program had been initiated. That October, more IV crashes were happening. However, one day, Charlie, Charlie Cullen just disappears. Hmm. When he disappeared, so did the insulin problems. Hmm. He quit answering their calls to come in. He wasn't technically employed by the hospital. He was through like a temp engine, temp, mm-hmm. but a dang, 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 through a temp agency, a temp agency, temp agency. <laughs> I, I think it was, I was going to say that in a British accent. I think it was like he was PRN as yeah, needed was, <laughs> so he could give in his, his shifts if he wanted to. Yeah. So it was a temp agency type of a thing. Now, Charlie knew that they knew it was him and he'd been hiding in the storage room and spiking these bags. He wasn't wearing gloves and he was doing it at random. He knew that many of the other cases were easily hidden with other symptoms, but the two that were discussed were ones that he knew he was going to get caught for that shit. He's like, all right, I know which ones you're talking about. Yeah. But so much time had gone by and he still hadn't been caught. Charlie and Adrian had their second daughter in December of 1991. Her name, for the book's sake, was... <laughs> Sa- oh, that's that's adorable. Saskia. Mm-hmm. Like, couldn't it just be Sarah or something simple? Saskia? Saskia. Saskia. She was a Russian. She was a Russian spy, <laughs> Saskia. <laughs> Give me my rucksack, <laughs> Saskia. All right. That's another one I know. Rucksack. What is that? Oh, oh, I'm going to start using that. Where's my rooks? 
That's my rootsack. That's my backpack. Rootsack. I'm gonna change it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can. I can. Uh, like da at the modom. Yes, this is my house. Um, I don't know. Like you can ask me to say certain shit et in Russian. Like, et tu et tu um, yeah, I can say some shit in Russian. I'm I'm teaching myself uh, advanced Spanish and Russian right now. Well, not advanced Russian, beginner Russian, advanced Spanish. Donde es el baño, por favor? I don't know. Some about I need to go to the bathroom, yeah, please. No, that's where the bathroom. Where's, Where's the bathroom? Yeesh. So. Para el gato. No, I can't remember what I was trying to say. <laughs> Tango el gato uh, los pantalones. You're like, bitch, the tank. What? The cat doesn't wear pants. Aha, you have a cat in your pants. In your pants. In Tango your pants. el gato los pantalones. Um, okay, so they have another daughter named Saskia. Their marriage was rocky at this point, and he wasn't being a good father, obviously. He's down in the little boiler room being a creepy fucking alcoholic. And he's, you know, chilling in the basement being a drinker. Taking walks while his kids are on Benadryl. Yeah. We you hope know. it was Benadryl. Like you do. Right. By this time, she'd figured out that he was drinking. So, Adrian goes down, broke, breaks into the footlocker where he was hiding all of his shit while he was at work. She asks him about it, and he said he didn't have a problem. He was just depressed, and he didn't want to go on antidepressants. By the by, if you're depressed, alcohol is not the answer. Uh-uh. It is not the answer. It's not a solution. It is the exact fucking opposite. It is not the answer to anything. Sometimes it is. It's the answer to me get. Never mind. My brother. My brother already called me out for saying choking, so I'm not going to finish that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's some things we say that our brothers are like when they're listening. They're just like, God damn it, shaking their heads. <laughs> um, her insurance would pay for a five day inpatient treatment, but he but she knew that he wouldn't go. She kept leaving his old AA books laying around, hoping that he would get the hint. But anytime she would confront him about it, he would fucking. This is this is typical fucking addict behavior. I don't care who you are or mm-hmm. what you're addicted to. Doesn't matter. As soon as somebody like confronts you about shit your first response almost fucking every time is to run down to the bottle or right. the needle or the whatever the fuck you're using to forget numb and not feel after you can after after you justify that you're not you don't have a problem that this is not that's why it's so hard on this side of you know what my favorite thing is i never really said that i didn't have a problem in fact on more than one occasion i noted i was like yeah i know i know yeah like you're an alcoholic I know. I am. Yeah. What do you want me to do about it? <laughs> right. Right. And wow. those are things that I learned going to Al-Anon. Like, I can't say anything to you or anyone else to be like, hey, by the way, just so you know, you're an alcoholic and let's go do something about it. Okay. It's not that fucking easy. No. It it, they, the alcoholic has to, the, the addict, it's not even alcoholic, the addict has to want it themselves. Most addicts have to hit a series of rock bottoms or a a series not one no a series yeah because like look at okay i'll use oh you know what i'll use me and my brother as an example um i was in the hospital with acute liver failure and pancreatitis did that stop me you were hours away from fucking dying literal death literal death and that stopped you for three weeks oh almost four yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna squeeze that almost four in there. I'm gonna go ahead and say three uh, yep. three weeks and six <laughs> days. It was the seventh day that I ended it. And I, I started drinking again. I knew that my liver was failing again. 
Like, I was already, like, my abdomen was already swollen oh. again. I was already, dude, I was literally, uh, what, 30-inch waist? 30-inch uh-huh. waist, 150 pounds, looked your pregnant. Body, yeah, you were rejecting everything, everything. but you were swollen. Um, when the doctor told you um, that your liver would repair in a year, I was like, no, why the fuck did you tell her that? Because yeah, now she's going to think it's okay. When you said that, I was like, happy for you. But inside, <laughs> like, I was like, fuck. fuck, why the fuck would you say that? Come like, come here, let me slap you. Tell her she's going to die right now if she ever touches it again. <laughs> yeah, you just, don't ever tell an alcoholic they'll be fine. Right? I was like, um, But like my brother, it. got a DUI. No way I'm getting two. Got a second one. No way I'm getting three. Third one. Well, four's off the quest. Like, four's fucking off the table. Four. Four, four fucking DUIs in two That he's still dealing with that was Eight. in June, so we're eight months past this. Yeah. We're still, we, well, I'm involved, okay? (laughs) Well, you are, like, if you're driving my brother to the city, and you're driving him to to and from, like, work and shit, then yeah, you are involved, because. Well, and now he's having a hard time getting a job. He has a job. He has a job. He had. Yes, he does, and he works very hard. He does, and he slams his fucking leg. The day after I do my foot, then he, like, sends me a picture, and he's like, so this happened. I'm like, God damn it. His leg's (laughs) fucked up anyway. I think he's got a bone chip in his leg. Anyway, but the point being, like, you will have a series of bad shit happen. Mm -hmm. And the fucked up thing is, now that I'm sober, I look at other people that are in my situation, and I'm like, I can literally tell you what's going to happen to you. Like, and I've called it. I've called it on mm-hmm. some people. So the fun thing about this story, not so fun, fun being very sarcastic, is that you can identify with Charlie's alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I can identify with Adrian's no balls having. Yeah. And we'll get into that as we go more. Mm-hmm. I'm like, as I'm reading, I'm like, fuck, I understand. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand because people can be like, you need to do this and this and this and this. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> I, I, but I can't do it. And so I understand with her. And she, yeah, I hope, I hope mine doesn't happen like this. In January of 1992, Charlie told Adrian that there was some politics going on at the hospital that didn't involve him and that there was a pending nurse's strike. Um, he told her that he was against it because the patients would suffer. He was going to work through it. He didn't care what was going on. He told her about the ca- contaminated IV bags and how nobody knew who did it. And I'm sure she was getting pretty suspicious at this time because their dog had just been fucking poisoned. Right. At the end of January, he got a new job at Warren Hospital. He told them he was leaving his current job that he had actually already left like, because he was avoiding questions and shit, because it was 20 minutes closer to home. He got the job immediately and called his wife from the lobby to tell her about it. He was justifying that if something bad had happened at his old job, then how would they be able, then how would he be able to get a new job? With the new job, he decided to start working days so that he and his wife could have more of the same schedule so they could spend more time together. This is all fine and dandy for about a week. He then decided that his wife didn't appreciate what he was going through. He would throw out subtle hints like being on the phone with the funeral parlor when she happened to walk in the room, like asking them what their burial plots were because he was going to die or kill himself or whatever he was trying to do. (laughs) Could you imagine walking in? Your husband's like, what kind of uh, plots do you have? Do you have a payment plan? (laughs) Like, what the fuck, man? Why do you need a plot? You're like 28. Come the fuck on. I don't know how old he was at this point. I don't remember. Anyway, 
So all that did was annoy the fuck out of her. She was like, Jesus Christ, Charlie, get your shit together. And he decided that he needed to take it one step further because that wasn't getting into her head. He waited till he heard his wife walking into the room (coughs) where he was, and he threw himself onto the floor. He had his tongue hanging out and was, like, shaking, and he had thrown prescription pills all over the place for, like, a drama effect. Like, he had just overdosed, but he hadn't. He was just... (laughs) I like how he's like... He's just flinging it like a flower girl on a wedding day. Right? Like, Charlie, if you were actually overdosing, those would be in your mouth. (laughs) Just so you know for the next one. Okay? Yeah, fucking weirdo. She pretty much saw right through him. She stepped over him and sat down to read a magazine. (laughs) Like, no, Charlie. He wanted her to take care of him, and she was just despising him more and more each time. In November of 1992, Adrian had officially had enough. She got a lawyer and began the proceedings to file for divorce. She told the lawyer about the dog. She also told him that she had gallbladder surgery coming up in January at the hospital where he worked. <clears throat> she wanted to, the paperwork to be served by then so that she could show that she wasn't married to him because she was suspicious of the IV bags at his last job and she didn't fucking want him in there while she was having surgery or have, you know, be able to handle anything that had to do with her. Gee, I wonder why. I don't know. Like, but didn't b- it? B- bitch, calm down. It wasn't anything. <laughs> Charlie ended up being served at work. He was so humiliated, and it was like it was just a guy handing him an envelope. Could have been anything, right? Right. He's like, but he's shocked all the same. Strangely enough, he got served that day that her surgery was done. How weird is that? Like, a little bit weird. Yeah. He went looking for her in the recovery ward, but found that he was not allowed to visit. <laughs> her father had taken her to surgery, went home to take the do- to take care of her after. He slept in the living room on the pullout and acted like an attack dog. His dad was like, no, fuck you. Or her, her dad, dad. Sorry. Her dad was like, no, fuck you. You're not getting in here. Mm-mm. No, you. Bitch. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. No. No, you. Fi- Sounds like me talking to my snake. No, you don't. No. <laughs> Your little motherfucker bit me the other day. Was he hungry? Are you starving him? No. What are you doing? He was shedding and he was being grouchy. Oh. And I was handling him and he didn't like it. And he hissed at me all loud and so I cursed at him. So he gave me like like a phantom strike. Mm-hmm. Like didn't didn't hit me hard. It was like, quit it. <laughs> it's the Yeah, it's like tapping a little kid on the hand. No. Like That's the basically what he did to me. Mouth. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so dad's on the living room couch as her fucking guard dog. Now I'll, I'll like... After all of this, she starts feeling guilty again. She knew that he had issues and didn't want to be too harsh with him. They agreed that he would move out and that, um, wait, they agreed that he would move out when he had the money. She regretted this decision almost immediately. And this is where I identify with Adrian because it's so hard to be like, fuck you and your problems. Get out. Bye. And so I can imagine she's gone through years I don't know how many years they've been together. I I forgot to add that up. But either way, mental abuse. I'm sure he gaslights her, makes her feel like she's crazy. Oh, I'm fucking sure. I'm sure. Um, He's manipulated her, obviously, because he's trying to, like, play his whole fake. Oh, look at me. I've killed myself. Save me. (laughs) I killed myself. Sorry, Uh, it's not funny, but it is when you're being a dramatic little drama queen. Just for attention. And guess what? You can get attention by being a decent... Wow. 
You, you don't need to. Thing. You don't like if if you're a genuine person. You don't need to fight for attention. You don't. You really don't because you're going to be getting it for all the right reasons. Right. Without fucking asking for it, demanding it, or treat your other human how you want to be treated. It's the and golden rule, motherfuckers. Usually, they will give. Usually, it back. I'm not. I'm, sometimes people yes. just fucking suck at life. Right. And, and they don't reciprocate. Right. And at this point, she's enabling because she's letting him do all of this and i'm sure she knows that she's enabling him but it's so hard to get out of that mental mind fuck you, you know what know i what's think going on um i had a really difficult time with boundaries and i had a really difficult time with allowing people to gaslight like how do i how do i say this right because you don't really allow somebody to gaslight Mm-mm. you but you do and you don't know it until it's over and you just flip the fuck out. Because there, I, I was in a situation, fortunately for me, in my situation, I went through a series of like self-help, self-repair courses mm-hmm. that turned me around. And I was able to walk the fuck away, like sever the ties and walk away from a relationship with a person who was master manipulator, um, leaps and bounds, best liar I've ever met. Like really? motherfucker deserved like awards dude um gaslighting champion of 2010 through 12 can i tell you how much i fucking hate gaslighting well and that that's the thing that like i knew like here's the thing is there were times that he would make me think i was crazy he'd be like that never happened angel and he'd be like look let me see your phone and it would be a situation where he had actually gone through my phone and deleted the times that i called or deleted texts that i know were there i fucking know they were there and he would pick up the phone and be like show me where and it wasn't there and i'm slowly starting to think that i'm really fucking going crazy now this was this was in the days before you could lock your fucking phone with a fingerprint and shit this was about the time that like lock codes and shit were like a new thing um I forget how long ago 2010 and right, 11 yeah, were. I was going to say that was like 10 years ago. Yeah. So like you used to be able to pop onto somebody's fucking cell phone all willy nilly and, and look at shit. And he would do that. He would get on there and he would delete recent calls. He would delete missed calls or whatever. He would delete text messages. And then he would come back and be like, you never did any of that. Look, he was like, you thought you did. You didn't. And I'm like, motherfucker, I know that I saved these things for this exact fucking situation. And now I'm looking at my phone and they're not there. And like, anyway, moving on after I went through some of these courses and shit, sad day for him because we had gotten into a knock. He used to goad me into these like knockdown drag out fights to where I was like so furious that I was on the verge of like physical attack. And then he would like... Then he would say things like, I'm not going to hit you. You're not going to make me to be the bad guy. I'm not a woman beater. And then he'd be like, do you see what she's doing? Like he would be saying it to his roommate. Do you see what she's doing? She's trying to make me hit her. What the fuck? After like when nobody was around, he would sit and pick at me and pick at me and like pull my little hairs on my neck or like jab me in the side or like things to where he had like goaded me into a situation where I actually felt like I needed to protect myself mm-hmm. and then I would be so furious that I'd be like a little fucking mongoose where I was like biting at your face and shit because I'm like now you've backed me into a fucking corner mm-hmm. and he's like she's trying to make me hit her and I'm like I wish a motherfucker would uh, and yeah. like it didn't stop you from didn't stop you from pulling my hair or fucking right? jabbing me or like by the by i would much rather have you pop me like mm. right then pull my fucking baby hair pull my hair or jab mm. me in the fucking ribs that mm-hmm. shit hurts so anyway 
Like, I can take a fucking bat to the face. Like, you take your fingers, and I mean hard, like, shank. No, that's not Right in my fucking ribs. And I'd be like, God damn it. So anyway, the day that we had gotten into this knockout, dragout fight, I fucking leave. Okay? Left. Fucking drove home when I probably shouldn't have. And the next day, I went to go get all my shit. And I'd had an epiphany. I got up that next morning, and I was like, you know what? This is obviously fucking toxic. You know better. Deep down inside, did I love the person? Yeah, I really thought I did. Did I? I don't know. I think I liked his kids. Like, I hated his kids, but I wanted to take care of them because they needed that. And I think that that's why I stuck around for so long. But in any event, I show up, I get all my shit, and I'm in my car. I'm like situating my business, and I click my fucking seatbelt, and I look up, and he's standing in the door, big fucking puppy dog eyes, and he like gives me the come here, like, come here. And I looked at him, and I was all, uh uh, and shook my head, put the fucking car in reverse, and pulled out of the driveway. That was that. Mm-hmm. because i was like dude no the next step is me actually getting physical yeah I, I i've been to i haven't gotten physical but i have like hit the wall and said i fucking hate you and if anybody most of you don't really like no no me but anybody that does knows that i don't fucking do that i don't ever get that mad i don't think i've ever got that mad in my life one time i hit my brother because he made me really mad sorry ryan you made me mad and I blacked the fuck out, and it, like I was so fucking pissed off. That is probably one of the only times I ever got really, really mad. And then these few times that have happened lately, and then and then afterwards, I'm like, why did you make me that way? Why did you make me all pissed off? And then tells me that I have anger problems. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. You are my anger problem. You are my fucking problem. Right. And yeah, just to walk away when you have three kids is fucking with my brain fucking with my brain but yeah she i know where she's at here yeah. i know exactly where the fuck she's at that was the point of I've, all of this conversation is, yeah well and i've i've been to a situation like i've been in a situation with the same person that i'm that i was just verbally vomiting about where we were done we were broken up and he used his daughter as a way to lasso me back in where his daughter called me my daddy locked himself in the bathroom and he's crying and he's upset and i think he's gonna hurt himself okay his daughter was 10 oh my god i think my daddy's gonna hurt himself angel you need to come so what do you do you have to go save the kid right at that point i didn't have to do anything i chose yeah but i did choose to go over there but and i don't even like kids people know this about me i don't fucking like them i think kids are the fucking devil but, they are. <laughs> but you, you know, you've I got love a little 10-year-old fucking bawling to you. My daddy's going to hurt himself if you don't come. And then he mm. probably got there and he was just fucking fine. Oh, he really did go in the bathroom and like shut himself in there, but he wasn't hurt. He wasn't going to hurt himself. He did it because he's a douchebagger. Well, and in a lot of, in my situation. Bag of douche. Um, he told me that any attention that I give him, negative, positive, pissed off want to kill you is attention i'll take a little kid all of it yeah and so i'm sure that's what his was he was like i'm just trying to get attention i don't give a fuck if it's negative i don't give a fuck if it's positive you can be yeah it doesn't have to be positive doesn't have to be negative could be anything just give me the attention well that's where we're gonna leave you fuckers for the week um, there's still so much more fuckery with this mofucker. Mofucker. Say that in Dave. That it, that was in Dave voice. Mofucker. Mofucker. <laughs> um, so thanks again for everybody being patient with us, not releasing the end time episodes. My body was against me and I'm, I'm sorry. 
I don't know what else to say. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for being patient with us. And um, you want to know, like, what? what? Baka, <laughs> That's how you say goodbye, Tom, in Russia. Russia. In Russia. In Russian. Baka, Tom. Baka, Tom. Baka, Tom. Yeah. Yes. So, we'll see you again next week with more from this bitch-ass... M- whoa, whoa, whoa. Yet. No, it's spicy. Oh. <laughs> Niet. No. Niet. Niet. I need that. I'm just going to start saying that to you. Just, just you know what's fucked up is the way that it... Niet. Okay, so when you say it, you say niet, but the way that it looks when you read it, it's H-E-T. Hit. Okay. Niet. This is why no. we can't read Russian. Acrylic's fucking difficult, dude. Jesus. Jesus fucking Christ. So maybe don't poison your dog while you're taking a walk after you've... Uh, <laughs> Left your baby home alone? Yeah. And... Stay Stay out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.